passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Here's a sample of a free podcast from the Post Wrestling Cafe. $6 gets you through the door at postwrestlingcafe.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our continued G1 coverage. I am John Pollock alongside Wei Ting. And as Eddie Kingston said during his uh, post-match promo, how many shows do we have left? Two? Three? Oh, four. Four shows to go. Uh, that is what we have remaining on the G1 schedule. Wednesday. Thursday, Saturday, and the finals on Sunday. The final four way. The final four. This is it. I mean, uh, one more proper um, set of block matches, and then it's the playoffs. It's the playoffs on Thursday. And then, yes, we get the semifinals Saturday, finals on Sunday. So Mm -hmm. we are at the end of the road, and uh, another G1 will be in the books. But we are going to be focusing on block C today. Semifinals on Thursday, Saturday, and Saturday, correct? Oh, is that how it's broken up? I, I don't know. I don't know. I thought, I, I think it's all the, the, the semifinals would be the final four. I assume those would be, yeah, it's the quarterfinals on Thursday, semifinals Saturday, finals yeah. on Sunday. Right. Yes. Okay. So, yes, we will be, uh, we will have a complete playoff picture after Wednesday's show. So, for those on the cafe, uh, this week's schedule, we will have, Davey Portman and Karen Peterson coming at you on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, Way and I are back, as well as Saturday's show, the two of us. And then Way bids us farewell because, spoiler, he's going to be eliminated in the Final Four. And then Sunday, uh, it's a three-way tie with John Pollock, WH Park, and Karen Peterson for G1 Supremacy. Yeah, it's um, it's actually Oscar's first birthday on Sunday, so that's why I'm, I'm What an excuse. Off. I know. It's actually my anniversary today as well. So, Oh, my, today? Yeah, so, oh so I, I'm already sacrificing th- this morning, so it's okay. Is this um, why you were five minutes late today? I mean, partially. I had a bit of a busy morning just kind of, you know, getting flowers and such. So, uh, but so yeah, this is about as much as I'm able to sacrifice this week. Oh, course, wait, so. I feel bad now. You could have just oh, thrown please. this at me if you if you had wanted to. Well, uh, happy anniversary. <laughs> is, thank you. The, the, the C block finals, I would say, are almost just as important as my yes, anniversary. Yes, as as I've told you privately, my favorite wedding I've ever attended. Yours, oh, that's and awesome. Your uh, well, fiance. As I I watched her be, go from fiance to wife, well, like a metamorphosis right in front of my eyes. I mean, you, you delivered a great speech and and dropped a huge surprise with that uh, post profile um, in front of the, a live audience. So thank you for being a part of it. 
wild this has been uh two years man you you really did line up your like key dates all together like you're never gonna forget your anniversary and oscar's birthday it's all like <laughs> compact in this month of august in the same week and and the g1 as well you know I, I, that's really why i scheduled i, I could argue you didn't plan this out perfectly well but well, close enough i mean yeah. maybe if it was a week later um that that would have been key way uh, that could have been it you could have just had g1 out of the way yeah uh, true a no. memorable week mm-hmm. Well, today they were at Yokohama Budokan in front of 2,360. And, uh, way, are we going to go through all the under undercard tag matches that you watched? Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll stay here and listen if, <laughs> if you want to. We are not. But I, I will, for the, for the sake of uh, uh, transparency, we'll, we'll read the results here of what led into the Block C matches. So on Tuesday's show, we had Jeff Cobb and the Great Okan beating Kaito Kiyomiya and Ryohei Oiwa. Alex Coughlin gave Kid taking on Toru Yano and Tomoki Hanma with the War Dogs prevailing. Minoru Suzuki, El Desperado, and Ren Narita beating Shota Umino, Hikuleo, and Jado. Hiroki Goto, Yo, and Oscar Loibe over Zack Sabre Jr., Shane Haste, and Kosei Fujita, the TMDK unit. And then Tetsuya Naito, Yoda Suji, and Bushi beating Hiroshi Tanahashi, Togi Makabe, and Master Wato with a sampler of Naito and Tanahashi's latest singles match that will be featured on Wednesday's card to determine who is advancing in the D block. But yes, we are back to a full-fledged G1 cards with undercard tags. And it just gives you that, that extra oomph way when you click onto the file and it's three hours and 15 minutes and you get to go to the mid part. And oh, it's like, the there's best. 90 minutes gone. I really, no honestly, offense to these guys, but I'm not watching more tags than I need to. Well, just like, I mean, it's, it, it's nice to have it obviously for the live audience that's there, but it's also, you know, nice for people that somehow just need more, more content, but it's also nice for the people that are watching every single match on this, uh, of this entire tournament to have the option of, you know, only focusing on four relevant matches, I guess not even four relevant matches on this particular show, but I, it did really make me miss the four match format. And I, I might be a bit of a, you know. That's just my opinion. I know a lot of people that might prefer the eight match format as well. But so Tetsuya Neto was in the building, huh? He was in the building, yeah. But he was interesting. Okay. But he's busy because down the road he's got a match with Hiroshi Tanahashi, and he couldn't come <laughs> out, much like uh, Chad Gable on on Wednesday night. You know, he the man's busy. Okay, he just worked. Gable did come out eventually, did he not? Yeah, he did eventually. Well, he's a better teammate. Yeah. I guess I guess we could say the same about like Yoda Suji. He was in that same match and, and came out. But Naito's yeah. got to focus. Naito's still in this thing. He can't be getting injured the night before. Right. Okay. Well, let's jump into things. So of the four matches, three had impact onto who would advance. And then one is, this is just a throwaway match, although they certainly did not wrestle it like a throwaway match. Mm-hmm. That was Mikey Nichols and Tomohiro Ishii. And Ishii has the least amount of points of anyone going into this final round robin match at two while Mikey Nichols at four points, um, but also a busted up forehead that was his that was his storyline throughout this uh the Achilles G1. forehead. The Achilles forehead, yeah. Smashing your head open hard way in your opening match and then just keeping yourself together through God knows what for the the month. That was Mikey Nichols' story. And now he's off back to Perth and his ranch, his ranch in Australia that he runs. Well, that's uh that's an interesting way of um you know balancing a pro wrestling career, running yeah, a ranch. What's what's the G one when you've got a a ranch at home? Mm-hmm. So uh, I I don't think Tomohiro Ishii runs a ranch. Could you imagine? Oh, not like to our knowledge. Cowboy hat and just keeping all the bulls. He'd be a good rancher. He yeah, he'd be good. Uh, I guess farmer. If you run a ranch, is that what you do? This would have been his American gimmick if he came over in like the eighties. Farmer I'd, Tom. 
Yeah, I'd love to see what that would have resulted in. Wrestles and um, overalls. Yeah. What what would um I don't know. What would what would how would you have packaged um Tomohiro Ishii in the well, 80s and in, in the territories? Okay, what would have been the elevator pitch that Vince McMahon would walk away with? I mean, I think he'd have an affinity for the stone pit bull. Um I yeah. It's a pit bull. Could, could. yeah. He could would work. be he would be butch. Uh yeah, I think he'd be he'd possibly be a shorty T. Um, that's always on the table. Like he would definitely be a member of like Alpha Academy. Like he would be Otis, I think. <laughs> Maybe he'd be a rapper and he'd just go by the initials T I. Uh I that could that might be legally uh, troubling, but no. I could see like, you know, them starting a, a Tomohiro Ishii Maxine relationship, you know. Max Ishii. Max Ishii, yeah. Uh like Ishii doing the caterpillar, I think would would is a perfect fit for him. What we're saying is he made a good career choice staying here. No, mm, well, we never know. We never what know what been? could have happened. Well, according to Chris Sampsa, Ishii He's not joining the Kiss My Ass Club. Instead, he's joining the 24-hour club of men that have spent a full day in G1 matches. And he joins the likes of Naito, Tanahashi, Tenzon, Goto, Okada, and Yuji Nagata. And uh, throughout this match, the story that Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton are telling is with Ishii with only two points. Is it possible this could be his last G1? You need to win to not be on the bubble. And... I think every year that's going to be the question of what year is Ishii, not even if you can physically keep up, but they, I would think with the 32 man format, I would have a hard time imagining they couldn't find a spot for Ishii uh, under this format of if the guy's willing to continue. First of all, have they actually respected that? Um, Like, I don't know if it's a rule or if it's just sort of like an unsaid thing where like if somebody actually goes winless, they're out of the G1 next year and have people really gone winless all like all that often. In G1. Yeah, I'm trying to think. The last one was maybe Honma. That year, he was a replacement for. Um, I'm guessing he didn't, he didn't come back. Uh, yeah. He did come back, so I, I don't think it's a, a, a rule that is enforced. And I mean, he won. He, he's got two here by the end of this, but they they went pretty hard in this match. There were these big. Ishii got dropped by this gigantic slap, and then it's Ishii spiking him with a DDT, and Ishii is. Um, Ishii is the one who gets spiked and he's like clutching his neck as he gets pinned. And they mentioned that Nichols is dealing with bursitis in his elbow uh, as it's all uh, bandaged up here. Is that uh, like a, what Sami Zayn had? Uh, similar. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a bursa sack issue. I um, I'm imagining his, like we couldn't see his exposed elbow here, but probably mm-hmm. some gnarliness uh, to that elbow. I'm sure that he's uh, working through here. So that's going to affect his ranching. Possibly, yes. Don't want to have like a rancher's elbow when you go back home. Um, there's a Death Valley driver into a sliding D by Nichols, and the crowd is into this. There's an Inziguri by Ishii. Both men go down, and then Nichols lifts him up for the Master Blaster, which I'm just always going to be frightened about now after the, the Hanare Master Blaster that he took. Mm-hmm. Moonsault off the top by Nichols. He's, he's gearing for these six points. Doesn't have a shot of moving on, but nonetheless, going all out here. Ishii then fires back, headbutt. Uh, Nichols is busted open here from his uh, his favorite wound on his forehead and takes the vertical drop brain buster. 13 minutes, one second. Both men end at two and four records with four points. But a, um, I thought this was a pretty strong match. It just had no stakes attached to it, unlike the other three that we're going to talk about. 
Right. Yeah. Maybe on the ranch hole, you you can find some steaks. Oh yeah, you know uh, the the cows produce steaks. That's it. Yes. I thought it was a really great match. You know, I, I think every Ishii G one match offers a very similar style, and it's for that reason very hard for me to see um them not including him next year or really any year as long as he's physically capable because he's he kind of brings you that quintessential you know G one strong style that i think everybody expects um but what's novel about the matches despite them all being i think relatively similar in like format um is you get to see how each of his you know um uh i guess uh you know challenger um matches up and i thought nichols was great here he really kind of like much like hanare seemed to take uh, an approach to this year's g1 as like i'm going to wrestle a new japan strong style type of g1 and this was i maybe maybe the the climax of the climax he gave it everything he had in this match not sure at this point if it's just great selling or if he's actually really banged up probably a combination of both but he definitely looked like he was a wrestler at the end of a month long g1 tour uh just you know here pretty much on empty the whole match and just completely emptying whatever he had remaining in that gas tank in one big final effort against arguably the best wrestler in the block and i thought he looked great uh and ishii you know what can you say like great simple believable selling of that neck and i think what he really excels at compared to maybe maybe more novice wrestlers is that he never over exaggerates an injury you know it's as simple as like you know, like completely quiet and just clutching, but like completely believable and realistic as well. So just the right subtlety. I thought it was a very enjoyable match. XL one cream. Yes, I went. Uh, I went basically. Yeah, I I went uh, XL with a milk and a sugar. Yeah, uh, Canadian milk. As opposed to American milk. Yeah, because it's non-existent. So. Um, hmm. They it does exist. They they just they don't include it as part of like you know the coffee sort of yeah. like condiment. You know you gotta just ask for a whole carton of milk, basically. Yes, I have also come up with uh, my rating system for next year that I will debut. You're changing. I might you can't shift. do that. I might like, shift. What I was, I was gonna throw it out of left field here, but I'm 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 gonna save it. I'm gonna hold on to it. Well, I'm not waiting a whole year to hear this. So you, can you at least give us a hint? I just did, actually. What? I speak in code now. Let's move on to Tamatonga and Aaron Hanare. And we've got the... So Tamatonga is coming in with seven points. Aaron Hanare with four. So Hanare is out. Uh, I repeat, Hanare is out of this mm-hmm. tournament. And Tamatonga, he can... Basically, if him and Shingo Takagi win their respective matches, they would be tied. And because they... They wrestled to a draw. They would both be in a playoff scenario. But if but if either loses or draws their opponent, they're out. So that's the scenario here. And not a crazy uh, option that they could mm-hmm. have gone with with a, a fifth match on this or fifth tournament match on this show. But regardless, um, they went 14 and a half minutes and Hanare bends down the corner pad to expose the top buckle. And Kevin Kelly, who has seen this turnbuckle padding removed, Probably 5,000 times. He notes he's never seen it done this way. So a a first in a New Japan ring. Hmm. Hanare hits a step-up knee that sends Tama to the floor and then blasts him with this PK. Hits a berserker bomb. And then it's Tama catching him with the Valeno. A Tongan twist and Supreme Flow for a two-count. And Chris Charlton notes that Yokohama, they respect both men so much. 
it's hard for them to get behind one of them as this crowd is pretty That's much sitting is. on their hands. It's uh, I think Ron and Shayna was a similar uh, reaction. Oh, they didn't know who to cheer away. They were yeah. just they were engrossed. Too much respect with, with what they were seeing. Yeah. Um, Full Nelson gets broken and Tama hits a stun gun or a gun stun, but he cannot go for the cover. So Hanari's landing there and Hanari makes his comeback with a rampage. Streets of Rage is blocked and gets drilled with a right hand that they note catches him right on the button. And Tama continues with a J driller, winning it in 14 minutes and 29 seconds. So Tamatonga has done his part. Now Shingo needs to do his part in order for that tie to be achieved. Because if mm-hmm. Shingo loses his match, then uh, Tamatonga gets eliminated. It's only Shingo that can keep him alive. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a fine match, you know. Uh, I don't know if it'll be one that'll necessarily be remembered um, so much in either man's run. I thought it was more it on the sta- standard side of things here with, like, little action that kind of felt um, actually memorable, I would say. Some, like, it was it was fine, but I, I felt like it was more done just to kind of, like, set up the very interesting points. It didn't feel dramatic. It didn't reach um, a higher level. And I've got to say, for the second year in a row, I, I can't say that Aaron Hanare had a breakout g1 really you wouldn't say that yeah i wouldn't for this year i think he had um he had an excellent match with shingo takagi um and, and, and part of that and was Nicole, despite like you know what you and i might think of it i i think it's it's a memorable match for a lot of people just you know for, for those big spots and also just i think the intensity of it i i look at at least i i think to really put your stamp on things it's a combination of your performances are through the roof and also the booking has to be there too that gives you a signal of where this guy is going and i i don't know if um you know he comes out of this he's got four points i mean hikuleo is to me someone that was positioned much stronger to kind of break out in this tournament i i don't really sense that with hanare i I, I might just disagree. I, I'll, I'll preface it by saying I haven't seen every single Aaron Hanare match, but I, like from what I have seen and from what I've been sort of like sensing from other other reviewers that are out there, uh, it's that like he he has overcome. I think um, maybe just falling into the pack and not making that big of an impression. I mean, you know, combined with I think some publicity sur- surrounding the, you know the tattoo and just I think a, a re- renewed sort of like vigor of like going hard in every single match of his um has i think you know elevated him to, to sort of that that next level in my eyes um is including the end of the match here where, where he kind of got that solo spotlight as the crowd almost like gave him you know a bit of that standing ovation type of reaction as he left the arena despite losing the match yeah i'm, I'm looking at my own ratings here like he also had an excellent match with, with tomohiro ishii a few days ago like his match quality w- w- was very good as as i'm going through this i i guess i'm more the jury's just out on me with um if this is going to propel him to another level but what i loved about this was as the camera's on him as way is mentioning he goes ringside and grabs the score sheet and he's looking at it almost like in disbelief of like what the result was and it's like he was out coming into this match this was not a uh, th- this was not a nail biter or something where we had to quickly get out our calculators like yeah. win or lose you were out of this thing so well, i don't know what the shock was when he grabbed the score sheet i often wonder how aware the participants are of even the points um as much as like you know maybe nerds like you or i or even even the fans you know eddie kingston thought he had two two shows left and was told no it's actually double that like he didn't even know how many shows remain on this tour that he's got matches on this week i don't think like some some of them probably just don't even give a shit about what the points are and you know what like maybe in a storyline sense maybe in his mind he wanted to at least finish with six points and this was him checking 
how many points do I have in total? Did I fall short of my personal goal? And it looks like he he was disappointed in himself. Well, he finishes uh, with four points. And again, Tamatonga with nine points. And afterwards, um, both men did their interviews in the back. And for Aaron Hanare, his big promo was on Eddie Kingston about how how do you feel you represent Japanese pro wrestling when you never went through the dojo? Were you in were you training in Muay Thai and do and kickboxing like I was and coming up in that system? What gives you the right to believe you represent Japanese pro wrestling? It was a very good promo from Hanare. Ah, I love it. What 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 wonderful stakes. So you think they're setting up a singles match for what? The open weight title. The strong uh, on title. what show? It could it could be any number of them. I don't know if we're gonna see Kingston. You, you mean the back. sorry, is that a, a is that do they call that an open weight championship? The new Kingston Japan is strong? the the strong open weight champion. Oh, yeah, right, okay. Do call yeah, it sorry. That. Yeah. Yeah. Where, what show you think? I could s- I don't know if that's as big a match in the U.S. And I, I just question when it, when Eddie Kingston is going to go back to Japan um, mm. just after finishing this tour. Like, um, I wonder if, but have they released? They haven't released the card for the final, obviously. But could could it be a match that will take place there? That's not crazy. Um, it's it's not uh, typical that they put like a singles title match on the last day, but they could they could at least set it up in a tag. I would think like it's possible. It's possible they could do something Saturday and Sunday. They need full undercard matches. Mm. So possible. Um, I, I like the story, you know, like you, I think the idea of like, it, we'll talk about Eddie Kingston in the next match, but I mean, I think, I think it's like, it's, it's a really juicy sort of way to attack Eddie Kingston by, you know, criticizing his true sort of like devotion to, or at least like uh, how deserving he is of like, you know, being considered any sort of representative of Japanese wrestling. Anyway, I went large one cream for this match. I, I went large with a, with, with a milk and, um, some Splenda, not quite sugar, but it gives you a bit of a jolt. Eddie Kingston against David Finley. So this is an important one. Both men with eight points. So if one of them wins, they are off into the yeah. playoff round. Before before we talk about the match, did you see Eddie Kingston meet Toshiaki Kawada? Yes. New Japan World uh, did this kind of feature on Eddie Kingston where sounded like the premise was they were taking him out for a drive and they're interviewing him in the car. And it sounds like it's a surprise where they're taking him and arrive at the, at Toshiaki Kawada's ramen noodle bar. And they just park the car and Eddie Kingston is looking. And then you have him react like, Oh my God. And he is having like, he is suddenly a 10 year old kid and he is so nervous. He's stating about meeting his hero and he just sits there. He's like, I can't get the smile off my face. And they bring him in and he does this interview with Kawada. And dude, it is amazing. Like he's pulling up like, oh man, June 1994. And then he's asking about the Tokyo Dome with Masawa. And do he, this look at the, this smile. This smile is face. the most genuine thing you will see oh. today. Um, Kawada was like, you know, he was, he was happy to meet this guy, but nowhere near the level. Uh, like I respectfully, I don't think Kawada knew who this guy was, but mm-hmm. um, Eddie Kingston certainly knew who he was. And he was in awe of meeting Toshiaki Kawada watch this video it's an amazing 15 minutes um and it will definitely uh, endear you to Eddie Kingston if not already that oh this my guy God. the summer of Eddie continues and I, I really hope we can get him on it at some point just to chat about this tour oh I'm sure I'm sure WH uh you know is, is uh, putting in a re- request immediately just to maybe re- even review this interaction um I, I mean, Eddie Kingston is probably the most relatable professional wrestler um, 
for certainly to me within AEW, maybe even within all of North American professional wrestling and to experience this tour of Japan through his eyes, just, you know, starting from that, that like um, uh, match in Corku and, uh, and, and just throughout this entire G1 and then almost feeling like culminating with this face-to-face meeting with one of his idols, the person that inspired the colors of his, you know, outfit and, and so much. Which of his he, he told him, he was like, yeah. I wear, I wear your colors out of respect, out of respect. And yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah. it's amazing. Like, I, I don't, oh. it, it was hard to get a read off of Kawada. Kawada is a very stoic figure. Um, I thought Kingston, it was perfect. Listen, he was li- like, Kenny Kingston was literally meeting a god. Like, he entered heaven to meet one of the four pillars. And yeah. I think Kawada played it exactly. Even if he knew Eddie King, who Eddie Kingston was, I feel like if I was Kawada, I would have known all like, just to kind of maintain this incredible illusion. Um, I wonder now, if he had the. When you saw the close-up of Eddie Kingston eating the 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 curry ramen, be honest. Do you think I made a mistake not going to this when when we were in Japan? Because this was on 100%. our to do list with with WH, and then we opted. It was just so far out of the city that we opted not to do it. I I kind of regret not going to uh, this ramen noodle bar. Yeah, I haven't been either. But you know what? We need something to go to for the next one, right? Okay. So this this it. one's on the list for next time. I would like to go here. This it looks like a nice establishment. It was a uh, look at that. They even have a fan there, which. Uh, they, they could have used it at Harpo's. Or sure you you very much need that fan. Yeah, he um, was noting how hot it was. I mean, just, man, the heat. I, I well, don't want to Look at Kawada full of sweat. I mean, is he the one making the ramen himself? Oh, dude, I'm sure he he's not a figurehead. He's he's Goodness. in the he's in the kitchen bar. He's probably speed up this interview. I got I got the nighttime orders to get to. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe next time, John, if we have This is a great video. I think you can watch the whole thing on YouTube. I don't think you even have to have New Japan World to, to watch this. So mm-hmm. uh, there you have it. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Eddie Kingston against David Finley. Kevin Kelly explains that uh, Eddie Kingston is fighting on behalf of all tra- tape traders out there. So this is uh, he, he's you're living vicariously uh, in this tournament. The tape yeah. traders. <laughs> Finley is working the back uh, throughout most of the match, and then it's Kingston finally firing back with chops. And they note how he's got all these influences in his back pocket that he can draw from from studying them all. And Kingston is selling like he's concussed after David rams him into the post on the floor and the announcers are yelling for him to stay down but he gets in at 19 and this guy man you talk about maximizing the most out of every maneuver it's eddie kingston that just i mean he just squeezes the most out of every little thing to Mm -hmm. convey that to the audience like trying to get the audience to feel what he is and he is tremendous at it 
Finley stops a series of Northern Lights bombs before Kingston finally hits one. Um, and then he it's delayed as he goes for the cover and Finley gets his foot on the rope. Kingston lifts him up and it's an into oblivion out of nowhere. But this time it's Finley who's down and can't go for the pin. They stagger up and they're just unloading everything they have left. Finley hits a spear and then hits into oblivion, winning the match in 1635. And the Eddie Kingston G1 adventure comes to a close as he finishes with eight points. David Finley advances with 10. And after this match, Finley lifts up not only his own never open weight title, he grabs Kingston's strong open weight title and then just throws the strong title down in disgust. And so Eddie Kingston has about 85 matches coming out of this. He, he wants to have time with, uh, um, Takagi on all in or all out. He's got Aaron Hanare coming for him. He's got David Finley. Uh, seems like he just wants to repeat his entire C block, um, matchups, huh? I mean, there's a whole roster of other wrestlers. He didn't get the face on this, in this one. So, you know, I guess he, they paired him up with, with a good selection here. And he also lost, to, he, he lost to evil and he lost to Ishii. So those are all potential matches you could see. Uh, at some point, given he's uh, does hold a championship, but uh, I, I thought a very good match here. It was the outcome I expected with David Finley advancing, and um, yeah, uh, I I didn't think this was the match of the show, but this was a, a th- this was my second, my number two match of the show. What was your? I, I thought Ishii and Nichols was the best match on this card. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It edged I, out this one for me. I thought I thought that this was up there in a various sort of like different way. You know, Ishii Nichols was, uh, you know, more, again more of your quintessential like hard hitting New Japan G One style match. This I thought um, had elements of that, but I think for me, what was most connective about this was was Eddie Kingston. Um, I thought they were both really good here, but especially Kingston, and I think his ability to. Um, convince you that he's hurt through i think a really effective wince he's got a wonderful wince you know where you just kind of can feel it uh great selling of his lower back throughout i think again like people in north america have been well aware of eddie kingston's status as like possibly the most relatable wrestler in certainly AEW, maybe beyond primarily i would say though off the strength of his promos and i thought here it was really nice to see at the end of this g1 that same sort of connection that this audience seemed to have with him, even without the benefit of being able to hear him speak in their native tongue, if at all. Um, I think just simply through his wrestling, he's been maybe, maybe through some, a bit of storytelling, just kind of like, you know, like the video and whatnot. Um, fans have seemingly gra- gravitated towards him. And, and I almost feel like it's um like the whole tape trader, like aspect of him, I think is very much a relevant part of his story because he's a guy who, has essentially learned the Japanese style through tapes rather than, you know, being brought up in the dojo. And I felt like John Jones uh, learned MMA. Sure. The the tape trader wrestling and he just watched tapes. Tape trader John Jones. Yeah. Also the 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 other Jones of pro wrestling, the other representative of tape trading out there, John Jones. Yeah. But you know, for Eddie Kingston, I think this was almost like, Hey, I've crafted my own version of strong style by watching tapes and I'm, bringing it to the audience that actually, you know, has seen the authentic material and does it pass the shit test. And I felt like in a match like this, you got to see the result was yes. This to me was a great Japanese style match with great fire ups from Eddie Kingston. Um, I think great, again, like sort of um, emotive, like facial expressions to show pain, to show his sort of like will to come back. And I watched this cooking show like not too long ago where like there's this Canadian chef 
who like dedicated his life to making sushi. And in this test, like he had to make sushi for like a Japanese judge and he ended up winning. And this wasn't like the last stage of the contest, but like he won this and he started crying because it validated sort of like his lifelong effort of like living up to that foreign standard. And I almost got a similar vibe with like Eddie Kingston through this G1 where him bring his version of strong style to the birthplace of strong style, I think gained him a whole lot of audience uh, attention and, and, and validation. So I was really, really happy for him. Uh, I went XL one cream, one sugar for this. I went, I went XL with a milk. Um, maybe new Japan, depending on how much footage they did shoot of Eddie Kingston, they can turn this around for an extended documentary. Eddie dreams of wrestling. I would watch the shit out of that. Yes. We go to the main event and this is this is to determine what happens with the with with the the second person to go through. So essentially here are our scenarios. It's Shingo Takagi against Evil. Evil has 8 points. So if he wins or draws, he is in with David Finley. If Shingo Takagi wins, that would create our playoff with Tamatonga to immediately follow this match and it would be a no a no time limit match to determine who would be second place so mm-hmm. finley is clinched i thought um simply the announcement of this was a very significant moment of, uh, of this match so in between the matches you have like you know and they they do this in the g1s like where the announcer will actually update the crowd on the point point totals and sort of some of the math just to kind of like get people because like without listening to commentary no one's going to really know like you know who who's advancing and how many points and what sort of finishes you, they they need so they took the time to make the announcement that in the event of Shingo winning we will have the playoff match right after this and it just sent the crowd into a frenzy i thought chris charlton's like genuine shock and enthusiasm at this announcement as well greatly lifted sort of my excitement you know for a Shingo win coming out of it yeah, I mean, it has been like years and years since they've had like a, a a play-in match. This is kind of the closest they've really teased it and was a viable outcome. I think people totally could have bought Shingo and Tamatonga um, in this uh, playoff match. So uh, the, those are the, the stakes here to close the show. And Evil jumps in before the bell and he has a razor and is threatening to cut the hair of Shingo. And this goes back to the press conference that I, I never heard about this until the last day that evil apparently at the press conference stated, if he doesn't get out of the block, he will shave his head, which I think, um, I, I think that like that would have heightened evils prospects. If we were aware of that at the beginning of this, that he's at least going to be a player up until the end and not just have a ho-hum round rock. But I guess it, since it's evil, could, could we have actually um, believed him? He could have lied. Yes. My name is evil after all. So Chris is explaining the problems of booking evil. They have to take out a row of seats at the front because of safety concerns. And therefore he's costing new Japan revenue. (laughs) So (laughs) new Japan's like business uh, being down. It's on this guy. This is a heel in 2023. Someone who affects your live gate. Oh, a real disruptor. Yeah. Evil uh, teases a chop instead goes for the eyes. There's, There's a lot of heat here for, for evil. Then the House of Torture members join Dick Togo. We've got Yujiro and Sho surrounding the ring. And uh, an exposed portion of the buckle uh, sees Takagi run into it. And then House of Torture gets involved, stomping Takagi on the floor. And then Yujiro grabs the rope. Togo comes in. 
And Takagi turns the tables off a magic killer and he ends up using Togo to hit the magic killer onto evil. So this is like your evil match where it's can the babyface overcome the numbers and prevail. So Takagi is firing back. He hits last of the dragon, but then Red Shoes gets yanked out to the floor and the disqualification is called. No, Uh. it it, it does not. (laughs) Um, Which if it did, if they had disqualified evil playoff he, he would have well he would have gotten a point wouldn't he what no but disqualification is is a straight up like loss for the person right right yeah so double count out he would have gotten a point double count out he would have gotten the point yeah. but I'm, I'm thinking if this had been a no contest but yeah so this this would have advanced uh shingo uh yes this would have advanced shingo if he wins by disqualification mm-hmm. but it was not called so Red Shoes cost Shingo Takagi the turn. Well, the, uh, clearly Torture knew who was roughing this match. Okay. Not to say like Asami would have called this or anything either. So Red Shoes is yanked out, but Takagi does not see this. So Dick Togo goes in and counts three and the bell rings <laughs> and Takagi thinks he's one. And man, did Shingo look like a fool here? I mean, and... I, I'm sorry. I, I thought this was, this shit was hilarious and I kind of loved it. Like, I mean, they were in good position where like Shingo wouldn't have seen it. And I think the kicker for me was that not only did Togo count the one, two, three, but you had the bell ring. And then they show after. Why did it, it ring? Was, it was, was Yujiro. Yujiro with the bell hammer. He was the one who rung it. So like that's they, smart. They went to the detail of like, you know, making sure that not only did we take out the ref, Yujiro grabbed the bell hammer and ring the bell as well. Well. Listen, I know you think I'm going to like dump on this and I'm not. Um, so Shingo thinks he's won. Um, House of Torture attacked Takagi. He's choked out by the Garrett and he is, they think he's going to die in the middle of the ring for how long he's being choked. Then Bushi finally shows up. It's like, oh my God, he doesn't have a pulse. Maybe we should run out and help this guy because we're all in a group together. LIJ are the worst. And Togo then chokes Takagi out. Yujiro uses his stick. Show then hits, uh, Show uses a chair right over top of Takagi's head. And then there's the shock arrow and goes for the cover when Hiromu comes out and he yanks the referee out. He attacks Show. Yujiro's in and ends up taking the mist from Bushi. And Takagi gets back to life and clotheslines Evil and Togo. Yoda Suji is out with the Orihara moonsault to the floor. And we see Takagi drop Evil as he races against the clock. We have about three minutes left and Evil shoves Red Shoes and then hits a low blow, followed by everything is evil, and he wins in 17 minutes and 39 seconds. So evil advances with David Finley, and because of the tiebreaker, David Finley finishes in first, evil finishes in second place. I really did not hate this, like the level of most evil matches. I did hate the ref being pulled out spot, just because it literally changes the outcome of this. I think that that was a sorry. What do you mean? The DQ. They, they, he would have been DQ'd for any of these actions. They, they were able to do most of these behind the ref's back, but where you yank him right out of the ring, that happens all the time. Even in like North America and like WWE, like that, that's a valid, you know, way to stop a pinfall. And in, in most professional wrestling, you are promotions. putting your hands on the referee, but the and ref yanking him out to stop it, and like that, that does not constitute a disqualification. But the ref doesn't see who did it, and if the ref doesn't see who oh, did it, come on, wait. Is this the first time you've watched pro wrestling? I mean, come on. Like it happens. It happened. Like uh, I'm I'm Benoit Jericho versus Hunter and and Austin. That was like one of the big, you know, like this has always been finishes. a goofy spot, though. This is always a goofy spot. That like what 
what would constitute a DQ? That that aside, um, you got upset at that, but you didn't get upset at like um, I don't know, like Togo choking him out with the Garrett for like wait, a minute. We, we we've had this conversation about evil for like three years at this point. <laughs> Are you just waking up to this now? We we I'm have. Saying- I'm just I'm saying, not like, gonna belabor the point every evil match. Yes, well, I, I'm, I think this I, is the biggest knock against the evil stuff. But I'm just saying, like, the shit. That, I'm just saying, the ref pulling out spot is like not even like you know on the top five of like you know worst things that 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 necessarily took place. In either case, let's just throw disqualifications out of the G1. That would make me a lot happier. Um, I hate to see like you know what would be permissible at that point. Like you know, people would nothing worse out, like, than now. Knives. I, I like it when it's contained to like, you know, like a, like just an evil or I don't know, like uh, Kenta or something like if, if only one or two people have this special ability, I think it's okay. Um, I, I'm not certainly a fan of like, you know, how's the torture um, sort of actions, but with the right stakes, I think in this situation, it was really effective. And, and that to me was like the difference maker. This, you had this was a, the peak of like the evil bullshit, but it's, it's to build to what I feel is going to be one of the baby faces prevailing over like evil isn't winning the G one. I think we can all feel very comfortable in that outcome that mm-hmm. evil is going to get his comeuppance in the playoffs and the time to thwart evil and overcome him was not on the final day of the round Robin. It's going to be in the round of eight. Yeah. Probably not the round of four. He He's facing Sonata as well. So if there's someone oh. that's going to stop evil, his former partner makes as much sense. Um, unless they get really ballsy and evil wins to set up a title match later this year with Sonata. I guess I'm that's curious to know if evil could possibly uh, meet Naito in the, I guess it would be either the semi or the finals. Let's let's uh, actually look at the brackets here. So Sonata and evil would face the winner of if Naito finished in second place, he could meet Sonata or evil in the semifinals. And mm-hmm. if Naito won the D block, then they couldn't meet until the final. Okay. Well, I mean, they're all kind of interesting situations, but I, 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 I think I agree with you. Like this was very much, I think, a setup match for you know one of those great playoff results. And beyond that, I even just enjoyed it as a match on its own. Like maybe part of it for me was that I, I watched this with the result already spoiled, so I kind of knew the outcome. I kind of knew to expect all this bullshit anyway. But um, I you think that might have notifications been- off from WH. That's right. I think it might have been a bit of a blessing in disguise because I was able to just enjoy this for, I think, what they were trying to go for. And that was to excite the crowd, first of all, and then to deflate the crowd, which to me is the point of most of these evil house of torture matches. I think a lot of this crowd believed Shingo was winning and they would actually do the playoff. Like, I don't think they were out on a limb here. I thought they saw that as a very viable outcome. So when you pull the rug out from them, it's deflating on this night. But it's to serve a purpose of another baby face overcoming evil. And again, I think the announcement of the possible playoff like drove drove this crowd already to a frenzy because they wanted to see that extra match. They really wanted to see um it's like they not... thought it out, they have the scenario laid out, it's easy to comprehend, and it's very believable. Yeah, it made him a really hot baby face throughout this entire match. And I think the interference is at this point, again, with House of Torture, you know what to expect. To me, I feel like Togo coming in and using the Garrett is as much of a signature move for this wrestler as like Shingo using the made in Japan. And it's all about at this point, how uh, as a baby face, you would thwart it. There were moments that I thought were kind of, kind of clever where like Shingo in order to stop um, evil from doing the thing where he throws like the boot to, to red shoes um, to assist with like, you know, the, you know what I'm talking about, right? 
where he does the spot where he catches the foot and then throws it to the referee. Yes. Shingo tossed the referee aside so that, like, you know, Evil had nobody to throw it to. I, I mean, stuff like that I thought was pretty clever. Um, I thought it set up a great sort of run-in spot for LIJ where all three members of LIJ who made the effort to come out to actually save their friend had some great spotlight here. And again, the finish was your typical anticlimactic evil finish with no buildup whatsoever. Just, you know, great lifts the guy up. Everything is evil and it's over. And I thought it was done according to exactly what they were looking for. And that was to deflate, to leave this crowd silent. And that might not result in the highest coffee scale rating, but I think it was done for a greater purpose. And for that, I really enjoyed this main event, you know, as a final match of this portion of the G1. I went... I went large, one cream, one sugar, one sleeve. Uh, I had actually the same rating. I, I'm not going to – this is not XL territory, but I, I thought this was like a, a solid large with the uh, with the necessary additives uh, to it as well. So Evil advances, and that wraps up the C block. So our current playoff picture has Sonata taking on Evil. Okada will face the second-place finisher in the D block. David Finley takes on Will Ospreay, and Hikuleo will take on the winner of the D block on Thursday. And the D block, uh, it comes down to Wednesday's show. So we have Hiroki Goto against Zack Sabre Jr., Jeff Cobb against Shane Haste, Hiroshi Tanahashi against Tetsuya Naito, which is listed as the main event, and then the, the throwaway match is Alex Coughlin against Toriano. So in this block, Zack Sabre Jr., Jeff Cobb, and Tetsuya Naito all have eight points, and they're all alive going into this. The scenario I see most likely is Shane Haste spoiling Jeff Cobb, and then it comes down to uh, Zach can beat Goto, and Naito can beat Tanahashi. Those two advance, and Naito would be first place based on the tiebreaker and would face... Uh, Naito would then face uh, Hikuleo, and Zack Sabre Jr. would face Okada in the uh, in the playoff. Um, can you see a scenario where, where Cobb does advance, or do you lean towards Naito and Zach being the two to move in? Um... Probably because Cobb, Cobb Cobb does have tiebreakers against both of them. So if if they all three of them won, Cobb I believe would advance, and then Naito and Zach, um, like it would be Naito advancing. I think that's how it were, would work. I think. <laughs> I'll take your word for it, dude. I, I, I it's just I'll I'll leave the math to you and and Chris Samsa, well, uh, and Chris Angler. Well, there you go. That's that's what's happening on Wednesday, and then the playoffs on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Did you like this, the the four matches tonight? I did. I thought I thought all of them were um, had their purpose, and, and I thought Ishii and Nichols that was my uh, my match of the show. Yeah, I would actually recommend three of the four. You know, if you're like um, looking to just maybe get good action, certainly Nichols and Ishii. Uh, I would put um, Eddie Kingston. Uh, up there uh, in his match with David Finley as well. But I think for storyline purposes and to just kind of catch up with, with the G1, I thought the main event was actually pretty relevant. Okay. Well, there you go. Those are your recommended matches. Uh, do we want to do the, uh, the the contest? Let's do it. Yes. Again, thank you to Chris Angler for updating these. You can find the results and see your standing currently at postwrestling.com slash G1. Again, if you can't find your name as part of the, um, I guess, featured standings, you can click on the PDFs to download to find your predictions as well as where you rank, both alphabetically and also in terms of uh, 
I believe, points as well. So that's organized that way. Uh, all right, let's go to your top listener standings. And I, I think at this point, John, it's it's pretty much a close here because Jeremy Finestone continued his winning ways today, widened his first plate place lead to four points, which guarantees that the worst he can do is finish tied for most contest points earned. But there's an outside chance that tiebreakers could still play a factor. All right, so... Jeremy Feinstone sits atop right now at 77 points all by himself, followed by, in second place, and the person to uh, stand the best chance of um, matching him, at least, is Eric from Cork at 73 points. And then we've got, in third place, a tie between Big Iron OG and Scots. So it's a race towards the top. Can Jeremy Feinstone um, win it himself, or will there be a tie? In the Daily Perfect Club... A lot of people actually guessed the perfect card tonight, I guess, or perfectly predicted all four matches today. And they include Anne-Marie, Big Iron OG, David J, Dr. Bathroom. Um, Dr. Bathroom. Wow, yeah, great day for him. Maybe the place where he made those picks. Jen F, John Service, McRuber, Marky Mark. Um, uh, Come on, uh, Optimus Maximus. Give him a shout out. Yeah, Funky Bunch himself. Mick Cooper, Matt BB Byrne, Pro Connor, Randallbot. 2000 whoa, whoa getting a perfect four out of four He's coming sean, for way sean and sean phillips yeah that's not good news for me because well let's go to post wrestling families family block standings and Ooh. brandon thurston has pulled it out in the lead 66 points here sitting at the very top look at that can john Kleinchester catch him he's that's at, gonna be tough that's gonna be really tough so it just comes down to wednesday correct I believe so. Yeah. Unless there's a tiebreaker, you know, uh-huh. then okay. then we'll find out. John Kleinchester is two points behind at 64 points, followed by Brad Copping, the archivist, John Cena and Lowdown Davey P all still in contention at 63 points tied for third place right now. Uh, they're followed by Brandon from New Jersey, who has actually done very well this G1 at 62 points, followed by Braden Harrington, then Eric Marcotte, Bruce Lord, John Pollock sits at 59 points, tied with Armanio Flanagan, John Pine, WH Park. Oh, man, is Randall Bot ahead of you? Tied for the very bottom. Oof. Randall Bot and Wei Ting, uh, both at 51 points. So. You know, uh, I'll be I'll be watching this G1 uh, final deep block show with a whole lot of interest just to try to avoid to the bottom. Well, look at that. Well, by the time I am joined by Brandon Thurston on Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern time, he may, in fact, be the victor. So goodness, he can be uh, officially awarded the uh, the mythical trophy on Pollock and Thurston on Wednesday. Yeah, we never announced a prize for, you know, certainly the E block. So. Yeah, I mean, it's bragging rights and momentum together Momentum we we send uh, with shipping and handling not included. Uh, Well, there you have it. That is uh, the latest. uh, So one more day to go for the for the contest and four more shows to come here on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Davey Portman and Karen Peterson will have you covered for Wednesday's D block final matches. Thursday, Way and I are back to go through the round of eight. And then Saturday with the semifinals. Sunday, I'll be joined by WH and Karen. We'll do a whole deep dive on the G1, going through the finals and our closing thoughts on this year's tournament. What worked, what didn't work, and uh, who stood out in, in the G1? Did Aaron Hanare stand out? That'll be the big question on Sunday that we will answer. Uh, but thanks to everyone for checking this out. Tonight, Braden and Davey will be live after NXT And then Wednesday, uh, we've got not just the G1 show, but Rewinded Dynamite, as well as our final run in our reviews of 
this season of Dark Side of the Ring with the world, according to Marty Jannetty. So we will be live here on the cafe minutes after Rewind to Dynamite for your Wednesday doubleheader. Uh, check out all of the shows. And that's it for us. We will speak with you later this week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.